the sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells. The sermon from September 26, 2010. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit moves us to live for Jesus is Luke 16, verses 1 through 13. He kept speaking to his disciples. There was a rich man who had a manager. That one was accused of wasting the rich man's possessions. He summoned him and said, What's this I hear about you? Hand over your books, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, What will I do, since my Lord is taking the job of management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know. This is what I'll do, in order that when I'm removed from my management position, they will welcome me into their homes. He called each one of his Lord's debtors and said to the first, How much do you owe, my lord? He said, A thousand gallons of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down, and quickly write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? He said, A thousand bushels of grain. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The Lord praised the unrighteous manager because he acted shrewdly, for the sons of this age are shrewder than the sons of the light among their own generation. I say to you, make friends for yourself using unrighteous mammon, in order that when you pass away they will welcome you into eternal tents. He who is faithful in little is faithful in much as well, and he who is unrighteous in little is unrighteous in much as well. So if you are not faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will un? trust you with what is genuine, and if you are not faithful in what belongs to others, who will give you your own? No servant can serve two lords, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. This is the word of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ, Fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Andrew Carnegie, J.D. Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan, Cornelius Vanderbilt. These were the titans of steel, oil, finance, and rail in the 19th century. And they have left behind them a, a legacy of philanthropy as well with institutions, foundations, libraries, and schools named after them. And yet, I think there were several of their business practices that we may well question as whether they were unethical, maybe illegal, maybe even immoral. And so, were these titans, were they industrial statesmen who brought chaos to the, or who brought order to the chaos of the Industrial Revolution and propelled America to be a 20th century powerhouse? Or were they, on the other hand, robber barons, using whatever they could to get ahead in this world and then buying themselves a legacy with their ill-gotten gains? 
whichever way you want to spin their biographies, I think all on either side would agree that they were indeed shrewd businessmen. They knew the ways of this world and how to use them. And in that way, they were like that dishonest manager that Jesus talked about in the text here today. That manager, too, knew the ways of the world and he knew how to focus the resources he controlled to make his way through this life. When he was caught wasting his boss's money that he was managing, notice how he figures out what he can do. He knows he's not strong enough to dig or do manual labor. He's too proud to beg, but then he gets a flash of insight. He knows the ways of this world and he knows how he can ensure his future on this earth. He calls in his master's debtors and he has them one by one take the amount that they owe his master and, and reduce it. Write out another IOU for a lesser amount, replacing the first. He realizes that this will make them indebted with gratitude to him so that when he's fired, he'll have a place to go. And, and maybe you know, in our business world that would not work in our day, but it, it apparently worked in the way their business climate was. In fact, uh, the master himself commends him for his shrewdness. Yes, the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the, the present time and the things of this earth. But what is Jesus teaching us with this parable? It's probably one of the more confusing ones that we run across in the scriptures. He certainly can't be saying, cook the books to get ahead in the world, could he? That'd be going against everything the Bible says about stealing. Let's let Jesus himself explain the lesson as he applies the parable, telling us, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Just like the dishonest manager did all he could with his worldly wealth that he controlled, even though it belonged to the master, he did all he could with what he controlled in order to ease his earthly lot. We see that as he does that, he views that worldly wealth only as a tool. He doesn't view it as an end of it itself. That worldly wealth is just a tool to advance his earthly goals. But how much more so? Shouldn't we as children of the light then see worldly wealth, whether we have much or little, to see it simply as a tool? Even more so since we don't have an earthly goal here, we have an eternal goal in front of us. See that earthly wealth as a tool, a mere tool, for you are children of the light who have been brought into the light of God's love that shines from the cross of Christ. See that earthly wealth as a tool and manage the earthly with your eyes on the eternal. Let's think about this a little bit and ask, how can we do that? How can we manage our earthly wealth with our eyes on the eternal? viewing the, the earthly wealth merely as a tool. Well, let's go back to Jesus' words here. As he says, I tell you, 
Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Maybe in a way, at first we struggle with that explanation as much as we struggle with the the parable itself. Yes, Jesus is talking about using worldly wealth merely as a tool, but, but is he saying to buy friends with our money? It almost sounds that way, but it's not in the normal way we use that phrase of of buying friends. He's not talking about buying friends like the the prodigal son did. In Luke 15, the previous chapter, Jesus told that story about how that son asked for his share of the inheritance and then he went away and wasted it in wild living. He uh, He partied hard. And yeah, he had friends. Well, he had money to spend on them, but then when the money ran out, they left him to feeding pigs. No, Jesus isn't talking about buying friends like that. Rather, he's talking about how we use our worldly wealth when we keep our eyes set on the eternal. That lost son, that prodigal son, only was focused on how much fun he could get out of this life. He bought temporary friends. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Notice how he talks about eternal dwellings. With our eyes set on the eternal, we have a totally different mindset as we use our worldly wealth. Uh, For we're not looking to gain friends just for a time on this earth to have fun with them. No. We're looking at how to gain friends for eternity. Manage the earthly with your eyes on eternity. And maybe the first thing that comes to mind here is is mission work. You see how that uses worldly wealth to gain eternal friends? As missionaries are sent out and that gospel is proclaimed, the Holy Spirit changes hearts. And those who were once lost become our brothers and sisters in faith when they are baptized. And as long as we remain in that faith, they are our friends for eternity, even if we never meet them personally on this earth. But there's, there's more to it than just that money that we put into the offering plate. Because we're managers not only over that 5 or 10 or 15% that we put into the plate. All that we have belongs to God, doesn't it? All our money, all our stuff, our time, our treasures, our our talents, our our, our work, our play, it all belongs to Him. We are managers over all of it. Now how can we keep our eyes set on the eternal as we manage not just that money we put in the offering plate, but all the rest of it as well? How do we use that to gain friends for eternity? Let's think about that a little bit. And the answer isn't that we're supposed to put 100% in the offering plate for mission work. No. Rather, as you spend your money on the uh, necessities of life or as you save it, we do it with a, a very different kind of attitude than the people of this world do it with. A a different attitude, a different motive, a, a different set of goals as long as we keep our eyes set on the eternal. 
But yes, we still spend our, our money for the necessities of life, like food and clothing. And we will still spend some on a few of the luxuries and conveniences that are available. We save for retirement. And, and we also have fun and, and recreation with our money. But it's with an entirely different mindset when our eyes are set on the eternal. There is a change that happens inside of us as we manage the earthly with our eyes on eternity. We don't see these things as ends in themselves. As we work, our goal isn't simply to have food on the table or have fun on the weekend. As we save for retirement, our, our purpose isn't so that we can live it up in our golden years or because we're fearful that we might become a burden to our family. With our eyes on eternity, we see our entire life and every way that we use our wealth. We see it as service to our God and as opportunity to share his love with others. Money and stuff are simply tools, tools to be used to bring others to Jesus, not just through mission work, but also through the daily grind that we go through as we uh, earn our money, as we save, as we buy, as we sell, as we provide for our families or help a fellow Christian. We see the face of Christ in them. Whatever you do for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me, Jesus says. As we interact with the world, buying and selling, having fun and recreation, we see those who we interact with as fellow souls for whom Jesus died. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And as we make our pilgrimage through this life on this earth, do we keep our eyes open for those around us whom we can invite to join us on our heavenward march? Often, as we use our money, we come into contact with the souls that are still lost in the darkness of this world. And remember that the Son of Man came to seek and to save what is lost. Let the light of Christ shine through you to open their eyes. With our eyes on eternity, we manage our earthly wealth in ways so that others may join us for eternity in heaven. That's not buying, friends. That's winning friends for Christ, friends for eternity. Manage the earthly with your eyes on eternity. And how far I fall short as I examine my day-to-day -day decisions about what to do with my money and stuff. And ask yourself, have you been a faithful manager in all that the Lord has entrusted you with? Whenever you use your resources, is it, all, is it always with Christ firmly ruling in your heart, guiding the decision? Do you always have eternity before your eyes? How often we can get caught up in trying to find the fun out of the things of this life. How often we step over others to make it through the day-to-day -day grind. And maybe there's even a part of our heart at times that is secretly glad that so-and-so won't be with us for eternity. And don't try to excuse that kind of, of 
unfaithfulness by saying, but, but that's just dealing with, with the way I use my money. And, and, you know, Pastor, you always say, and the Bible says that that's all passing away, so what does God really care about how I spend my money? Well, listen to what Jesus says. Whoever can be trusted with very little, earthly wealth, can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? For you see, the way we handle this earthly wealth that the Lord has entrusted to us, that really belongs to Him, shows who our true Master is. Either we are serving God or we are serving money. Either we are loving God or we are loving what money can buy us. Either we are trusting God or we are trusting what our money can do for us. We can't have it both ways. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. How much we need Jesus, our unfaithfulness condemns, but Jesus justifies. He has broken the tyranny that enslaved us, for he has ransomed you with his blood. In his blood there is forgiveness, and with forgiveness there is freedom. Freedom for you from the tyranny of money. Freedom to serve your God, for Jesus has redeemed you. You are children of the light, for you have seen the light of God's love that shines as He gave His Son, His only begotten Son for you. You see His love radiating from the cross on which your Savior died for you. Yes, live as children of the light. Manage the earthly with your eyes on eternity. The eternal God gave His Son for you. The eternal God died for you. Think of it. He did that for us while you and I were still serving money. How much more did He do now that we have been reborn as children of the light through faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, His love will not fail you who are His baptized children, children of the light, who bask in the radiance of the cross of Christ on which we find our forgiveness. For in that cross, we have redemption and release from the tyranny that ruled over us. We have eternal treasures. For with his blood, Jesus purchased you a home in heaven. And it is an eternal home, for he has conquered death by rising from the dead. Keep your eyes on the eternal. For that is how we learn to manage the earthly. We manage it for our God and Savior. You see how this good news enables us to be faithful managers over those earthly things as we keep our eyes on eternity? 
our Lord has entrusted with us these temporary earthly treasures. Rather than being mastered by them so that we live in order to earn that paycheck, now we can live with that confidence that his love which has won eternity for us will certainly also be there to provide what we need in this day-to-day life. Since he has won eternal treasures for us, he'll certainly see that we have the earthly treasures that we need for our life here on in time. And that way we can devote our management to serving our God, to leading others to honor his name, to gaining friends for eternity. Yes, your name and my name will never be engraved over libraries or on universities, but you have an eternal legacy that will last long after this world is in ashes. Serve your true Lord, Jesus Christ, for he has purchased you with his blood. You are his blood-bought people. So manage the earthly with your eyes on on eternity. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.